The Matrix is everywhere. It's all around us. Here, even in this room. You can see it out your window or on your television. You feel it when you go to work or go to church or pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, kept inside a prison that you cannot smell, taste, or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no going back. You take the blue pill, and the story ends. You wake up in your bed, and you believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, and you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember that all I am offering is the truth, nothing more. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What if I told you that machines are becoming more like humans and humans are becoming more like machines? What if I told you that the phrase, what if I told you, isn't actually in the movie The Matrix? What? Is this reality? Is everything I believed actually wrong? We're talking about the Matrix like it's partying like we're 1999 because the Matrix is having a fourth movie come out. Can you believe it? Finally. Finally. Uh, the Matrix trilogy came out uh, in starting in 1999 and then through the early 2000s. But they're having a fourth one uh, right around Christmas time. So Merry Christmas, Matrix, everybody. The one is going to return and it's a great time to talk about, I think, one of the best movie franchises and one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. Hopefully the new movie doesn't suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're going to talk about today. So, but before that, uh, we want to tell you a little bit about this show, Pop Culture Catechism. Go to popculturecatechism.com and you can become a patron of this show and support this show and support the staff and uh, keep the lights on and the cameras running. Uh, there's six tiers that you can choose from. Pick something that fits your budget, that fits your tithe, and you get perks that go with each level. Uh, every patron gets access to exclusive content. So with this episode specifically, after you're done watching this, you can go to the In the Awaken app, the Pop Culture Catechist uh, community group, and we will be discussing, what's it called again? The Neuralink. The Neuralink. No, but there's some, uh, oh yeah, and like uh, like chips in our brains and yeah. like the, the ethics of that and the possibilities of wild. that. We just watched a video on it with Elon Musk. It was crazy. We're so anyway, in the future. That, yeah, so that's, that's going to be what we're discussing, the exclusive content. So check that out afterwards. And if you're not uh, a patron yet, what are you waiting for? Go to popculturecatechism.com and help us out. And that is all through the Awaken app. The Awaken app has lots of exclusive stuff for patrons. But even if you're not a patron, there's lots of free stuff too. It's a hub for all the Awaken shows and all the Awaken content. But there's a Christian music library. There's a prayer library. It's just an online Catholic community where we try to avoid a lot of the toxicity that happens on some other social media platforms. And it's, uh, you know over a thousand members now we're growing all the time so uh, find some like-minded Catholics and Christians and it's just it's a it's a cool thing so and of course you can share you can like this on YouTube or Facebook you can subscribe you can if you know someone who's a big fan of the matrix you can send this to them or if you just like your conversation you can take a screenshot and say hey I think you'd appreciate it um, and let us know what you think in the comments we want this to be an ongoing conversation so thank you for being with us and thank you so much to our patrons who make this show possible 
I am Mike Tenney. I am the host of Pop Culture Catechism. I was a Catholic high school theology teacher for over a decade. And at the same time, I was trying to make it as a rock star at night, playing in different clubs and bars and wherever I could play music and recording albums and writing songs. Uh, and now I am a speaker and a worship leader. And I run this show and I love talking about pop culture and where we can find God and lessons about life, the universe and everything uh, in music and movies and shows. I am blessed today to be joined by the president and founder of Awakened Catholic, who's little brain cooked up everything you see here. Uh, Mike, the blessing is all mine. Yes, Morpheus. (laughs) (laughs) Nick De La Torre. uh, Nicholas Francisco Felipe De La Torre. Yes. Right? In the flesh. So (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) Seriously, it's it's an honor to be here. And Mike, uh, on behalf of Awakened Catholic and on behalf of... uh, you know, everyone that consumes the content and the staff and everyone, I just want to say thank you for doing what you do because you're awesome at what you do. You. You, the energy that you bring, the passion, the the love of the Lord and, and bringing love of the Lord to others, uh, the love of others, the love, all of it. <laughs> Seriously, you're a beautiful guy and I'm so, so uh, proud to call you friend and, and I've been blessed by you in my life. So You too, man. You too. It's just like this This ministry has is, is really been... Yeah. A beautiful friendship that yeah. started. So, I actually, yeah. you know, not to uh, keep tooting your horn here, but like <laughs> we were talking earlier about, uh, we were just kind of rapping about, man, how far we've come uh, at Awaken and all the, the journey that we've been on and, you know, trying to navigate where God's taking things. And like, I was reflecting on how we started everything and how I had approached a bunch of different people that I knew were passionate about different topics. Um, and you uniquely were uh, the one person I approached to host a show on Awaken not because I knew of a specific area that like you were an expert in, Mm -hmm. but because of what I knew about you (laughs) and like you as a man, you as a person, uh, the role that you had started to play in my life as a friend and person that I trusted, um, to get feedback from, uh, Mm. to give pushback, uh, or to get pushback from, um, and just some of the ways that you were challenging me in a good way to go deeper with the Lord and in my life and as a husband and as a father and, and a dude, you know? And I was just like, that's a guy that should be, that should be preaching. He should just be, he should be spitting some truth on Awaken. And, and so and I little did, you. little did you know, I was an expert in Taylor Swift, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what we needed. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I, I feel similarly just the coming, coming here every few months to film and getting to be a part of your house. And, and uh, Alina's in the production booth right now and just see your kids and the way you run your household with such a, a radical missionary spirit for the Lord. Um, it's something I want to be a part of. And uh, I mean, you guys, you guys challenge me to be a, a better, a better husband been a better man to run a run a better house and be devoted and um you know to the lord and to my family and what he's called me to so the the feeling is mutual my friend love love you a lot i wasn't ready for this okay (laughs) well it is christmas time it's not christmas time right now when we're filming it but this is going to come out right at christmas time when uh the matrix is coming out so we've decked out the studio Mm -hmm. i got my jesus birthday boy ugly christmas sweater (laughs) on and i got the hat i'm just really hot i meant lose this shirt at some point we got the one can only hope mike one can only hope (laughs) i have another shirt on underneath anyway we need to get on with the episode if you don't know what the matrix is the matrix was a movie that came out in 1999 with a, a super cool, super cool special effects and like the commercials and the trailers, mm-hmm. but 
all they would they wouldn't say anything about the plot. Like I feel like almost every trailer now ruins the plot and gives yeah. away spoilers in the plot. And it was just like nobody can be told what the Matrix is. And the website was just like what is the Matrix dot com. It was right. super mysterious. And I remember I was I was a little bit young to see it. Like I was a young teenager, and like my older brothers could see it. My dad went and saw it, but I wasn't allowed to see it till I was a little bit older. And I was like, how wasn't there like we're, we can't tell you anything about it. You just need to go in blind. So if you haven't seen the Matrix, like Matrix number one yet, mm-hmm. like don't let anybody tell you anything about it. And we're gonna have tons of spoilers here. So just just go watch it. It is such a good movie and it still holds up. You don't know how the special effects hold up. It really Um, does. Well, because honestly, it introduced, one of the reasons it holds up is because it introduced a new era of special effects that we're still living in today. Mm. Like the special effects that we'll see in action movies and Kung Fu movies, uh, sci-fi movies. So much of it was influenced heavily by this movie, which pioneered a a lot of that technology. Mm -hmm. Like they literally created special effects technology for this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that whole idea, uh, like where the cameras pan around and the guy flies back like that and they call it bullet time. Like that was pioneered for, the matrix so yeah yeah a lot of a lot of the early cgi stuff was was developed for this movie so can we uh, throw the movie poster up there let's see this is the matrix you see uh keanu reeves and he wasn't uh i guess he, he had been in speed he had been yeah. in some bigger things before well, and he was what was it bill and ted's excellent yeah adventure. he was kind of a comedy guy and then speed it was his first like action yeah. role and then this made him like a huge star and probably set him, name yeah set him up to play john wick and Yo, yeah, all those yeah. other things so lawrence fish fishburn um Carrie, uh, what's her name? Uh, who plays Trinity? I yeah, can't remember her Car- name. Uh, shoot, um, I keep wanting to say Carrie Ells, but that's a guy. No, that's, great, also, that's, a great that's actor. That's Wesley, the farm Carrie... boy. I can't remember, but anyway, she was in. She was in Memento too. She was in Memento. She was really yeah. good in that movie. That movie's wild. Um, and the guy that plays uh, Cipher, the, the the bad guy. Spoilers. Yes. Um, he's also really good. Although I forget, he was also you. in Memento. He was also in Memento. Was he really? Yeah, he was the he was the the be, like the 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 best friend. It's been so many yeah, years since we I've need seen to watch it. Memento. That's such it's a good a movie. Great if you've movie. Never seen it. That's uh, worth an episode eventually. Yeah, we should do that eventually. Uh, Matrix Reloaded. This was the sequel, um, which ended on a huge cliffhanger, and then Matrix, Matrix Revolutions, which a lot of people think is the weakest of the three. Um, I like it. I, I like seeing the whole saga together. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people think this is this is the weakest of the three. I think it is so. worth watching all three um, oh. to get the full story. But I will say, for me. Uh, the the second and third movies are equally awful. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to me, they don't hold up to the glory that was the first. The first movie, movie is just uh, amazing. It really, it's yeah. one of the best movies ever made in yeah, my opinion. I think I think so too. I think so yeah. too. Although the the fight scenes in the second one are ridiculous. They are, but they're also so loaded with CGI, and it's not good CGI. Well, I'm not thinking of the Agent Smith fight. I'm thinking oh, okay. of the I'm thinking of the fight with the twins. And oh, yeah, like that's lobby. a great scene. That's a great fight scene. And then the highway the chase The highway chase is amazing. It's ridiculous. And the twins are also in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I it's think bonkers. Th- those, those two might be the best fight Carrie scenes. Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss, yeah. That's Trinity. Okay. Dang it. Yeah. Oh, and uh-huh. uh, Hugo Weaving, who is huge. Hugo Weaving, yes. He went on to be in Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Uh, he was like the head elf He was guy. El- Elrond, and Elrond. he was Red Skull yep. in Captain America. Yep. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving is great. And the other guy, Cypher, that you were talking about, that's mm-hmm. Joe Pantoliano. Okay, yeah. All righty. Not Alrighty. a household name. And uh, Jada Pinkett <laughs> Smith, I think, was in the, the second and third yes. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great. Yeah, she was great. great. Actresses. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was. And I think uh, many, uh, so I know at least Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves are coming back for 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's called Resurrections, right? Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris yeah. is in it, which I like. I think is kind of cool. I kind of like Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Or no. Oh, you need. We need to watch that sometime. Whenever I think of Neil Patrick Harris, I think about uh, White Castle. Oh the, yeah, uh, yeah, what yeah. What is that movie called? Uh, uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah also a terrible, a terrible, awful but movie. Funny movie. Yeah, um, but hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometime we'll watch Doctor Horrible sing along blog, and he's great. But I, I love Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's great. I'm excited to see him in this movie. I'm, I'm excited just to see this movie in general, and I, I, yeah. I, I hope it's great. They so. are also bringing Morpheus back, but it's not Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. And I found that really interesting. They picked a much younger actor, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like there has to be a narrative reason for that because. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne said that he didn't even get an invite. He didn't even know they were making a fourth movie. Whoa. And so that sucks to be that, that guy. Suck, yeah. <laughs> but um, there must be some kind of narrative reason that they needed it to be a, a younger version of Mor- Morpheus. Well, I know in between the second and the third movie, or maybe between the first and the second movie, the woman that plays the Oracle mm-hmm. changes. Oh, yeah. She gets recast. And yeah. and, Mor- and Neo, when she, he sees her, he's like, you're different. And she's like, well, this is why. And they kind of explain it. And I don't I don't know if they, they did that on, on, on part purpose like if they cast her differently on purpose or no. if they had to cast her differently and then they honestly just i think it, that the but... original one might have passed away i okay. could be remembering that wrong uh but yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah, Anyways, I don't really remember. I shouldn't say things on a podcast that aren't real. <laughs> I don't know. It might be real. Well, um so let's get into some of uh the the themes because they're so is mm-hmm. so rich thematically. Um and you were we were talking just earlier today and you were remind, do you remember what you were telling me yeah. earlier today? Yeah, there's that scene. Um, I took a note of this. There's that scene where Agent Smith uh, and you know the other agents they they basically are able to get their hands on uh, Neo or mm-hmm. you know Thomas Anderson um, at the time, and they you know it's the scene right before they plant the bug in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, like Agent <laughs> Smith is interrogating him. And it's it's a really powerful clip because to me it, it really speaks a lot to like the human condition and somewhat of our story, uh, like going all the way back to the garden. So Agent Smith says to him, it seems that you've been living two lives. Uh, one, you're, uh, this isn't a direct quote because I, I tried to use the voice, uh, voice to text thing and it yeah. was not working out well. So I'm doing my best to fill in the blanks here with what I do remember, but um uh, seems that you've been living two lives. In one, you're Thomas Anderson, a program writer from a respectable software company. You have a social security number. You do your uh, you, you do your taxes. You help your landlady carry out her garbage. <laughs> and the other, <laughs> in the other life, uh, computer. The voice to text really butchered this. Computers. Uh, you go by the alias, uh, the hacker alias Neo. Um, and, and anyways, like I was thinking about how, when I watched this scene, I was like, uh, really struck by agent Smith's role as the accuser and like, mm. um, trying to like tell us what our identity is and call us out on like our hypocrisy on our, on, on the way in which the ways in which so many people, nobody's intrinsically bad, right? Like right, everybody yeah. Everybody is born and conceived, made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. We're stained by original sin. Yeah. But like all of us have this this spark of good that we we want to be good. And uh, we have a confusion about what good is a lot of times. And so like in our striving for good, you know, we a lot of times confuse that with what brings us pleasure, what brings us comfort, what brings us uh, security. And... Um, and I, I think that most people, 
especially before a real like spiritual awakening or before they kind of like turn their lives towards God or encounter the Lord in a, in a real powerful way. Most people do find themselves like trying to be good people. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have a reference point for what that is other than maybe other good people, people that they think are good. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also living lives that are entrenched in sin and like entrenched in wounds and struggles. And it's not like, once you become Christian, that goes away. Like we all still have struggles. We all still have tensions, but like we're more aware of that. And in this case, like Neo is living this double life, but he might not even realize what he's doing in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and when we put ourselves in, in the character of Neo in, in that conversation, in that dialogue, like, you know, Satan can be telling us like, you know, you, on the one hand, you do nice things for your landlady. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you're a, a pirate, you're a software pirate, and you hack things, and you create viruses. And mm-hmm. um, and it can kind of like create a scenario in which we build our identities around these, these uh, false permanent realities. Like yeah. the, Satan wants to tell us what our identity is in a way that like imprisons us to those identities. Yes. Um, and, and so... The other thing that Agent Smith goes on to tell him here is like, you, you know, we, we have reason to believe you've heard from a terrorist called Morpheus. Mm-hmm. Forget whatever you think you know about Morpheus, whatever he's told you. Mm-hmm. And it made me think so much about the garden where mm-hmm. Satan is telling Adam and Eve, like, uh, you know, God, he doesn't actually know what's best for you. He doesn't actually want what's best for you. He's lying to you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like there were just so much congruency, so many parallels in this dialogue to to like the lies that we receive every single day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what we talked about earlier today. Yeah. So I <laughs> so I, I well, first of all, so the idea that we are inherently good, but we're, we're broken. And so we need to be redeemed by sin. I just want to point out that uh, many non-Catholic Christians like our, our mm. Protestant brothers and sisters, like especially from the theology of like Luther and Calvin, a more reformed evangelical tradition. If you ask them, are humans fundamentally good or bad? They would say bad. Right. Right. Like the view, like Luther at one point says that we are like poop covered in snow and yeah. the snow, like we are the poop and the snow is the grace of Christ that just like covers us. So that right. we're like no longer offensive or like in a courtroom we are guilty. Like we committed the murder, mm-hmm. but the judge just like lets us off because right. of his mercy or the jury just lets us off because of his mercy. So we're right. declared innocent because of Jesus, but really we're, we're guilty. And from a, a Catholic perspective, we would emphasize the, the created nature rather than the fallen nature. We would say, no, God created us good in his image and likeness and and original sin corrupted us, but did not totally corrupt us. There's still some goodness in us, and we're fundamentally good at the the core. And so that emphasis on the on the brokenness and the fallenness of human nature um, is is more of a, a of a Protestant thing. Mm-hmm. And in Catholics, tend to say, "Well, yes, we are broken. Yes, we still need Christ. We still need to be saved. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, at our core, we are good." And so yeah. I just wanted to, to point out that that distinction. Um, also, um, there is so much Christian imagery, Christian language, like Zion is the name of the human city that, mm-hmm. that survives from the machines. Um, the Nebuchadnezzar is the name of the, the ship, which was like the, the name of an ancient Babylonian, um, emperor. Uh, there, there's, uh, the, you know, the prophet, the one, the chosen one, um, Trinity is the name of one of the characters. And so there, there's so much Christian language, like Morpheus ends up like dying and sacrificing himself and then resurrecting at least once 
throughout the like in the first yeah. movie <laughs> like it, there's these resurrections that come back and like the fourth movie is called resurrection so there's so much christian language but i read an article and i i probably i'll try to find it and put it in the show notes but it was this is like back in like 2002 that i read this probably so uh i don't know if i'll be able to find it again but it basically laid out um how it's actually not based on christianity but gnostic christianity mm. so if you're not familiar with your early christian heresies what gnosticism <laughs> was uh gnostic means knowledge like we got the, the it's g n o s t i c kind of like in english we have the k n o w for no it means knowledge so mm. the gnostics were an early christian group that believed that th- that the only people that would be saved are this small secret group who had this secret knowledge and what they knew the secret knowledge was that the um the flesh in our bodies were bad mm-hmm. and that the spirit world was good. It was very based on Plato. The idea that like, if you ever studied in, in philosophy in college, like Plato was all about the, the, the forms, the perfection, the idea of a thing rather than the reality and fleshed reality of the thing. And that was his, con- that was, that was kind of his disagreement with, with Aristotle. Aristotle was like, no, we're both a body and a soul. Whereas Plato was more like emphasized just the soul in the body is not as, um, it is an imperfection. And mm-hmm. the Gnostics took that even a step further. And a lot of the, the followers of Plato, the Platonists, as they're called, took that a step further to be like a body is a, a, a kind of a cage, a trap for your soul. So the, the body is bad. We need to escape this body and like go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so like the Gnostics, some groups of them like never like they didn't believe in sex at all because they believed that when you had sex and you conceived a child, you were like trapping a soul in a body. And well, when so, you say that they didn't believe in sex, you mean they didn't believe in having sex? In having sex. Yeah, they believed it existed. But they didn't believe in, in having sex. Um, because you were trapping a soul. Because by you were trapping a soul wow, in crazy. a body. And our whole job is to escape this world and go to heaven, which is, is still, I, I still think that's an idea that a lot of Christians have. But authentic Christianity is, no, we are both a body and a soul. And God came to redeem this world, right? Yeah. That kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we're meant to live the kingdom here and now. And yes, there will yeah. be a heaven that we're, where we go to rest, but there will also be this resurrection of the body. Mm. Jesus' bodily resurrection. It wasn't just a ghost that came back. It was a yeah. bodily resurrection. That ate breakfast, as as it says in the Gospel of John, and they could they could uh, Thomas like puts his hands in the wounds, and we will like our bodies will be resurrection resurrected and reconstituted, as it talks about in First Corinthians fifteen, and uh, it'll be like his glorified body, a risen body, a real body that's like mysterious and we can't really understand it. Um, but uh, this, uh, but the the spirituality of the Matrix is very much based in Gnosticism. Yeah. Um, and his name is Thomas Anderson. Neo's name is Thomas Anderson. The famous Gnostic uh, gospel is the Gospel of Thomas. Right. Right. And Anderson, what does Anderson mean? It means son of man. Wow. Yeah. So Thomas A. Anderson. I forget what the A stands for in his name, but it's Thomas A. Anderson, Gospel of Thomas, son of man. So it's very Gnostic, this idea that we have to, uh, like the matrix is a trap, right? Mm -hmm. We're trapped in this. We need to escape it to the real world, but only a select few will actually get there that Mm -hmm. have this secret knowledge that they've been red-pilled. They have the truth, Mm -hmm. and only this secret group will actually get there. And you you still see that in Christianity today. Absolutely. There's so many many groups that, like, oh, we have the secret knowledge. In Protestant and Catholic circles, you see that. You have this devotion, right? If you go to this type of worship, if you pray this sort of prayer, if you know this sort of thing, oh, then you're part of the select, and the, those the, the rest of you are just like kind of lukewarm, right. right? And so you guys don't really get it. Yeah, you don't not, know what I know. You're not real Catholics. You're not right. real Christians. And so we see that Gnosticism coming up um, 
again and again. So sorry, I just word vomited. No, uh, that's it's what so happens good. When, it's you so give, good. when you give me whiskey. And, <laughs> you know, and, and the root of all sin is pride, right? And like a lot of yeah. that, uh, I have a hair in my mouth. Mm, uh, a lot yeah. of that comes from. I'm glad that's online. A pride, yeah, it's like a cat podcast. here. Um, <laughs> um, a lot of that comes from like that that excitement that we get, like, oh, I've discovered something that is maybe rare or that like I didn't know before, and a lot of other people don't know this. And because of this knowledge, I now like, you know, there's a there's a degree to which I've ascended to a higher plane of existence, mm. and um, and it's just so it, it's so. Um, understandable like i want to be forgiving of people that fall into that trap oh yeah sure i fell into that trap yeah when i when i fell in love with god uh in college Mm -hmm. really for the first time in my life and i fell in love with the catholic church really for the first time in my Mm -hmm. life again in college yeah like i was so in love with the knowledge that i had grown into and that i had come to understand that 100% my pride kicked in. Yeah. 100% the the pride that I had and the knowledge that I had grown to uh, to acquire to understand um like that ruined a lot of relationships that like Ooh. ruined opportunities that I had in front of me to evangelize someone mm-hmm. because the knowledge came before the relationship yeah. in that moment. Not like I was consciously like, hey, knowledge is more important than relationship. Yeah, but it was more uh-huh. like I was so excited by the knowledge that I knew that I wanted to teach other people mm-hmm. that I lost sight of what that comes second to. And that comes second to relationship. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so like th- th- I relate to that 100%. It's totally natural. But we all like it- it's just so prevalent in, in communities Protestant or Catholic, right? For Catholics, like you said, like devotions, like, oh, you know, Medjugorje, like not to get controversial, but people like swear by Medjugorje mm-hmm. and like the the experiences they've had there, experiences other people have had there. But then other people are like, if you believe in Medjugorje, you know, but then the people that that feel connected to that are like, if you don't believe in Medjugorje, you're whatever. And then like for Protestants, like if you haven't learned greek and translated your own bible like you don't love jesus as yeah. much as i love or, jesus. or if you're not charismatic right yeah or if you don't love the latin mass right or if you're not like you know primarily into social justice like it happens all over the church yes. in all sorts of different ways um and it reminds me of uh paul in in first corinthians where he says where he, he's talking about the charismatics and he's like you know you can speak in tongues and you can interpret tongues and you can you can have all these things but if you don't have love yes. it's a clanging gong right yes. it's 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 all worthless right and that's as so it good. says in ephesians like our, our works are like they're they're like they're they're like dirty rags right yeah. i think that's in ephesians maybe isaiah i don't know i'm drinking it's, one, it's, in, it's in the book i'm drinking whiskey yeah. it's in the bible somewhere <laughs> you can but read like, it <laughs> it's it's got to come back to love and yeah. i totally associate with what you're saying like when i went first went to catholic u and i was like all right me and my friends we're going to daily mass and like we're taking food to homeless people and right. we're like part of the pro-life group and praying the rosary <laughs> yeah. and going to praise and worship and doing adoration and like doing doing all these things and doing social justice stuff and it was the first time in my life I'd really been part of like an like a a really thriving Catholic community and it was like made me come alive but I remember like one time I was home on break and I like went out to lunch with like my two of my best friends from from high school Ashley and Monica love you girls hope to see you at the reunion this year and uh <laughs> like I monopoly. We went out to like Bennigan's, and like it was so good to like catch up. But like I spent the entire time of that lunch, I monopolized like the whole conversation talking about like the Catholic Church's approach to contraception, wow, <laughs> and yeah. like doctrine, and like what I learned because like one of the girls was about to get married, and like 
like that was totally mean like not in that yeah. topic but that was totally me and like now looking back it's like so cringy i'm like oh my gosh i'm so sorry not that i i don't believe that stuff because right. i do and i support it but it's like but like that's not an effective opportunity well it just way. like catch up with your friends yes right yes 100 <laughs> like, percent. like that that goes so yeah. much further exactly in the long run yeah. you gotta play the long game yeah you gotta play the long game well and even just like seeing relationships as relationships and not just like it's my job to make sure that you believe all the right doctrines you know what mike you know this is the perfect segue back to the matrix because if you look okay. at so uh, i was watching a, a piece of the, the first movie again today and um you know, I, I was like reminded all over again of my frustrations at some of the ways in which Morpheus chose to lead and chose to be a leader, chose to help Neo through the transition into the real world. Okay. I get frustrated when I watch some of those scenes and I'm like, because Morpheus is sitting there with, with Neo in the construct. And again, we're presuming you've watched this so we can use some of this lingo. Spoiler, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Morpheus is sitting there with Neo in the construct. Neo, This is Neo's first like foray into you know, the false world, the, you know, the false reality of, of the matrix or, or other programs, Morpheus, like, uh, nobody can tell you what the matrix is. And I was like, yes, you can. It's a simulation. And yeah. like, like these are obvious things, but, but the, the, the masterful thing that's happening when Morpheus is being super ambiguous and super elusive and like taking his sweet ass time to explain the matrix to yeah. Neo when it could have been done in like a couple of sentence mm -hmm. sentences, what he's doing is helping Neo like adapt to it. Right. And in contrast, you and I, other people that get excited about the faith, yeah. we're just like, boom, 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 boom. Here's what the Matrix is. You know, you've mm -hmm. been living a lie, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. And like Morpheus, that dude was the master evangelist. He, okay. was, he was like, I'm going to I'm going to usher you gently into this truth. I'm going to let you experience this truth. Whoa. And that's what he does. He doesn't tell Neo truth. He lets Neo experience truth and he walks wow. with him in that. Mm hmm. Yeah, literally like, just hit me right now. Yeah, well, in in you know, kind of applying it to real world. So ma the mage he offers him the pill, right? Thing, which yeah. we started this whole bit with. Yeah, so he makes it voluntary first. Yeah, he makes it voluntary, yeah. and he tells him like, you can go back to the way you're living, or you can have this experience, which is going to change you and is the truth. And you have a choice to be like, well, you're crazy, man. I was, I'm fine with my life. I'll go back to it. And it reminds me of like, you know trying to get kids to go on a retreat or go on, right. you know, get, get friends to come to an experience is, you know, the, the right way to do it is just be like, Hey, you want, you want to come with me? I think it's very powerful. I think, I think you'll get a lot out of this. I think you'll experience something, but you, you know, you don't have to come. It's totally up to you. Or you can take you the know? blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there's a way to, to, to do that gently. Um, I would love to talk about their scene where, um, so Agent Smith with Morpheus. You talked about Agent Smith with Neo. Neo. Yeah. Agent Smith with Morpheus. There's a scene where the the machines capture Morpheus mm -hmm. because Cipher has decided to betray them, and uh, Agent Smith, who's really a computer program, says, "I'd like to share a revelation I've had during my time here, meaning my time like in the Matrix dealing with humans. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with their surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to another area. You multiply and you multiply until every natural resource is consumed. The only way you can survive is to spread to another area. Yeah, it causes a virus. <laughs> yeah, there is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern do you know what that is a virus human beings are a disease a cancer on this planet you are a plague and we 
are the cure. And I think a lot of people today, like that's their anthropology. That is their understanding yep. of human nature. They see humans. And the church. And, and the church as a plague on this planet. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm not going to have kids. There's too many people everywhere, overpopulation yep. and this, that, and the you other look at thing. the Crusades, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff over the course of the centuries. The church mm. has been around a long time, right? Okay. Like like religion is a virus. R- religion is, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I, like, you know, Agent Smith, it, again, this just struck me now as you were reading the, that part of the script. Like mm-hmm. literally that's representative of a lot of people who with good intentions, yeah. nobody's like, Haha, religion is evil because I'm evil. So I'm gonna, like no, no nobody's evil intrinsically again like going back to yeah. like the catholic view of the human person like people are good and they're trying their best yeah um and so in trying their best a lot of people come to the conclusion when they look at some of what's happened historically when they look at like like what agent smith described a lot of people see not only humanity but also specifically the church like the ch- there have been church leadership and and people representing the church whether formally or informally, who have done some stuff that's like, you're a virus. <laughs> yeah. You're you're making things worse, not better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, like specifically, it makes me think of the difference between like how a lot of people see our relationship to the environment and people talk about like global warming and, yeah. and, 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 you know, climate change and all those sorts of things. And there are a lot of awful things that we're doing to the planet. Um, and the Christian perspective, which I, I think Pope Francis very beautifully described in his encyclical Laudato Si, in the differences, the, the Catholic and Pope Francis, and, and the, I think the authentically Christian biblical way to see is that at the center, the solution to the problem is humans as made in the image and likeness of God, given dominion and as stewards of creation, right? Yep. Like we are the we are the reason creation exists, right? And so it always has to put the the human person first, yes. And so it's a very pro life approach to quote unquote environmentalism, right? It's not environmentalism for the environment's sake. It's environmentalism for the sake of this beautiful world that God has created and placed us in stewardship of. And so um, if you've never read Laudato Si, I I highly encourage you to like, because Pope Francis has such a beautiful vision for connecting what it means to be pro-life, not just anti-abortion pro-life, but pro-life in a way that encompasses so many issues, including the environment that God has made us in his image to reflect to the world are like his love for us and his love for the world. And the gospel in Mark at the end, it says that you should go into the world and preach the gospel, not to all people, but to all creation, Mm -hmm. preach the gospel to all creation. Like we are supposed to be treating the world as God would treat the world. And so I, I, humans are not the problem. Humans are the solution and humans are, are, are really the the reason for creation. And so I I think that that's such a key perspective change. And sometimes we may act like a virus, but we're also the cure. Right. right. Like it's not the cure to uh, eradicate humans or limit humans or try to like the machines kind of try to, to manage humans. They create this prophecy about the one, you know, and, and try to and then they, they uh, uh, you know, they destroy Zion like five times or something yeah. like that. And then re, re rebirth it and give them this false narrative that there's this one that's going to come save them. Um, as res- this is revealed at the end of the second one by the architect. Right. Yeah. Um, so. uh and, and that's how a lot of people see it is humans just have to be managed. Yeah. Right. Whereas Pope Francis sees it as no humans are the, the we're, we're the solution. We are the stewards of this creation. So, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that, um, we have to contextualize properly. Like what is the earth here for? What is the universe here for? Like, 
we have been given a role as as the 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 prime uh entities on the planet like yeah. like we do have a role of stewardship but it's not because like the planet matters more than we do yeah it's not like we're the guardians of 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 some treasure for some other thing like yeah we're we're meant to to protect it and care for it like i you know i like to think about uh adam and eve like if adam and eve pre-fall pre-suckage yeah um <laughs> pre-suckage yeah uh, i think i think that's that's it's that's a theological term that's the latin that comes from aquinas yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pre-suckage um pre-suckage adam and eve you know they're 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 in charge of stuff they're they're caring for for the world they're caring for the garden uh they're naming animals and crap and and uh you know if they were to see the way that things happen with with the world in our hands mm -hmm. How would they react to it? You know, like mm -hmm. I, I think that's an interesting kind of perspective to to bring to the table. Um, and yeah, I, I think that it's it's convicting too. Like if we're really willing to ask that question, but one of the challenges we face with when it comes to like preservation of the planet and and just all of this is like it's become so politicized. Yeah, I know. And so like you have to imagine a world that hasn't been artificially put into this weird bipartisan dynamic where yeah. like if you're on the right you got to think this way mm -hmm. and if you're on the left you got to think this way yeah. like what if what if we were just like free of that yeah mm -hmm. and we were just responsible people <laughs> that cared for the crap that's in front of us mm -hmm. and did the best we could instead of like having to cling to the ideologies that you know, adhere to the proper side of the spectrum that we're on politically. Yeah. like, And, and I think that's, you know, that's a proper understanding of identity, right? Yeah. Rather than seeing ourselves as first as conservative or Democrat or liberal, rather than seeing that as our primary identity and the other half of the country as a them, right? right? Seeing our primary identity as a child of God and letting the church and the truths and the doctrines of, of the church shape our thinking and shape our identity more than whatever CNN is saying or Fox News is saying or my yeah. neighbors are saying, right? And so then like I care deeply about the environment and like right. I like we we sign like we switched our energy plan to like something it all comes from like geothermal and wind and all that stuff. So like all the and it costs a little bit more, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I care about the planet. But mm -hmm. like I'm also super pro-life in the sense that I'm like anti-abortion. And like those two like social justice and pro-life, like for Catholics, that's the same thing. Yeah. Right? It's not one or the other. And so like I can be anti-racist and I can be pro-life, mm -hmm. right? And I avoid some of the some of the, the the pitfalls of the secular versions of those things. Yeah. Right. Like the secular version of anti-racism or the secular version of pro-lifeism. Um is it, like they, they fall into some traps and and I feel like the authentic like Catholic social teaching is so beautiful yeah and it, it really gives is. it gives us a way to see the world and a lens to see the world that's not just this uh, this false American political polarity so and I think that's a lot yeah. of what the matrix is about is like there's a false narrative that surrounds you it's everywhere around you you can smell it you can taste it you can see it you can hear it and it's everywhere it permeates our existence. But as soon as you're willing to release that false narrative, mm -hmm. you see the world in a totally new way. Yeah. And that, I think, is, you know, one of the best takeaways to have from the Matrix. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the false narrative relative to what we were just talking about would be like that bipartisan, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Uh, one more thing I'll say about creation. So just like the, the, if you read the first few chapters of Genesis, it's really beautiful the way uh, God and the, the scriptural authors use two different stories to send us the same message. So mm-hmm. the first chapter of Genesis, if you read through, it's the seven days of creation where God starts off in the beginning was nothing, but then he, he said, let there be light and there's the light in the dark. And then there's the, the sea and the land. And then there's the sea creatures. And then there's the land creatures. And each day God says, and at the end of the day, God said it was good. And then he gets to the last day and he makes human beings, male and female in his image. And God said it was very good. And so we are the apex of creation. We're the purpose of creation that Everything else was made for the purpose of this, and it's not complete until then. And then after then, God can rest. And then chapter two says, "Well, when God created the earth, the earth it was kind of like this. There was this, there was this river, and it's and it, God planted a garden, and it, it kind of shows us like God's transcendence and God's God's imminence. Those are fancy theological words that he's he's like you know the the Father is way up above us, but then like the Son and the Spirit are like right here with us. And what does He create first? He creates humans first, mm-hmm. right? And so in the first story, God, uh, humans are created last as like the finishing touches. In the second story, they were created first as the reason for everything else because he creates humanity. And then it says, well, I see that it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he creates all these animals, but none of them are a suitable partner. And then he reaches into the core, to the heart of the man, through his rib, and takes it out. And then he makes male and female. And it's interesting, the word, John Paul II points this out in Theology of the Body, the word that God uses for man before woman's creation is Adam. That's where we get the word Adam and it means mankind. But after he creates woman, then he calls the man male. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like God created the dudes first and the chicks second. Sorry for using that sort of language. It's not You're like, such a sexist, yeah, Mike. It's not like he made the males first and the female sex, uh, second. He made humanity. Mm-hmm. And so it's not good for a person to be alone. And yeah. so then like our sexuality is born out of this desire that we are made for relationship. We're made for relationship with God. We're made for relationship with one another. And we are the foundation of creation. We're the apex, we're the purpose of creation, but we're also the foundation of creation. And he uses these two creation stories to teach us this beautiful truth about human dignity. And it's just, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the first few chapters of creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to chapter three and the freaking devil screws it up with freaking his lies devil. like Agent Smith and we get the suckage. The suckage. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, a, a Thomistic theological yeah. term. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. If you go back to the Greek, it's yeah. translated. The more accurate translation is the suckage. Yeah. <laughs> um, can we talk about can we talk about robots and AI? Yes. Oh my gosh. So like AI is getting pretty advanced. It's getting very advanced. Right? Like we can say, okay, Google, okay, Siri, okay, Alexa. Like we have, like even my children know how to use Siri and uh, they tell us where to drive Mm -hmm. and they can tell us to turn stuff on, turn stuff off. Like Mm -hmm. we have, they're listening to us all the time through our phones and everything. And like we have the Terminator, we have the Matrix. Uh, You know, we we just did an episode a few months ago on Dune where there was this ancient war with robots. And so they're not allowed to even make... artificial intelligences um that's like a a sacrosanct rule in humanity so like do you like first of all do do you think we can create an ai and that the like terminator the matrix could happen like do you think that's a real possibility so i think that it's a it's a yes and no okay uh so the no part of it i'll respond to first the no part in my opinion is can we create a, a a soul that that has a spiritual quality. Yeah. Okay. So this is getting a little bit nerdy on, on theological terms here, yeah. but a Spec- lot of speculative. Right. So, yeah. so the word soul is a lot of times conflated with the word spirit because 
we as humans, our soul is a spirit, but the word soul uh, throughout history has a, a lot of times been used by theologians to apply to, to the essence of, of life. Mm-hmm. So like a plant has a soul cause it's alive. Yeah, it's like a vegetative soul. Yeah. yeah so, mm-hmm. so it's t- the quality of, of something being alive means that it has a soul in a sense, yeah. but that's not the same thing as being spiritual. We as humans uniquely in all of creation. So like angels are spirits, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Trees, anything that's alive, grass mm-hmm. has a soul. We animals, right? We uniquely in creation are both soul, where we have a physical life energy. Mm-hmm. We are also spiritual, all in one. So, like our soul is spirit, and our spirit is soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't think we will ever, because we are not God, mm-hmm. we will never create an AI that has a spiritual quality where it, it is a, a spiritual entity. Mm-hmm. We may create through computational, like algorithmic qualities. We may create. Uh, an artificial intelligence that can interface, that can interact with us, that can interact with the world, mm. but that doesn't mean it has like a spiritual reality. Like it could, do you know what the Turing test is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Turing test, uh, Alan Turing, there, there was a great movie uh, about him starring uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Basically, he said uh, he was he was like this code breaker during World War II that became like one of the first like computer programmers. And uh, he, he said basically artificial intelligence, the way you know that it's really an artificial intelligence is if he made this thing called the Turing test where like, if you could mistake it for a real person. Right. And so if it doesn't, like, you know, you ask Siri, like, hey, Siri, can you do this for me? And she's like, I don't understand. Can you say that again? Like, it doesn't pass the Turing test, <laughs> you know? Sorry, Siri. <laughs> like, if, if you could mistake it for a real person, that's the, the Turing test. So you're, I, what I hear you saying is that we could make an AI that could pass the Turing test, right. but it won't really be a person. Correct. It won't really have a spirit. Right. And I think I disagree with you. Really? I, yeah, I do. And again, this is theological speculation. Yeah, it's, we're totally like, speculating yeah, the we're crap out of this. Here. But I think, like, God has given us the ability through like natural sexual intercourse and procreation to create souls. We, yeah, we right? co-create. We co-create, yeah, right, with right. God. Like we're sub-creators, you could say, totally. in Tolkien's language. Um, and there's other ways that we've used our technology through like artificial insemination and maybe potentially through cloning one day where we can also co-create souls, right? And I I think potentially like we, like if you think of it like data from Star Trek or, or even, even like Agent Smith, like if they have real choice, like I think we could artificially get to the point where we could create something that like the word, the word uh, in Latin for soul is anima, mm-hmm. like an animal is something with a soul. It's mm-hmm. not a rational soul. Like right. humans have rational souls or, or spirits, as you said, uh, angels have rational souls or spirits, like you said, um, like I think, and again, this is just my opinion shooting from the hip. Uh, and I, I don't think that, that this hasn't happened yet. So the church hasn't come out with an opinion on it yet. But uh, like, I think we could potentially create like a robot, uh, an artificial intelligence that really was a person. And we see this, uh, this idea played out in the Animatrix. There was um, a number of like, oh, there yeah. was like nine animes made about like what happened between current day and Matrix One. And one of the things that happens in that is like humans really abuse these robots mm-hmm. and these AI and they're like treated like slaves. And as as this growing consciousness of robots and humans come and they're used for forced labor, 
Which, I mean, we used robots for forced labor, but it's not wrong because there's a robot. But once that robot uh, develops consciousness, like, can it develop consciousness? I guess that's kind of the conversation we're having. Um, but, you know, like, robots could potentially, probably at some point, like, they'll be used for sex, you know? Yeah. As the, you know I'm sure the pornography... No, that's actually already a thing. Yeah, so the pornography industry will use it for that. And so that's that's mm-hmm. damaging to the person, the human who's using that, right? It It, it is hurtful to their dignity, but to the extent that that AI has consciousness, I would say, and again, I'm just shooting from the hip, that's also offensive to the dignity of that intelligence, right? And I I think as pro-life people, we try to have an expansive view of of human rights, right? We try to have an expansive view of rights, not a a limited view of rights. Well, and really, like, you could say it would be anti-life to maltreat an animal, a pet. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it has the same dignity as a human. It means okay. it's wrong to to hurt mm-hmm. an innocent animal or yeah. whatever, right? So, like, I would agree with you that I think that we can create something that is so advanced that it's maybe as smart as a dog or mm-hmm. even smarter because, yeah. you know, it's computationally insane. But, mm-hmm. like, but we could never create something that has a spiritual mm-hmm. because the the spirit is something only, like, that. that's on a whole level of creation that, like... We can co-create a human being, but we can't mm-hmm. like turn a robot. We can create algorithms yeah. in a computer that are incredible and and very human-like, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it has a spiritual essence that we'll f- see in heaven with us, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I think I disagree. Okay. I, think I, disagree. I mean, I'm super down for yeah. that. I think I think God has given us like kind of a natural means to create souls, and I think artificially our, our technology could get to the point where. You know, it already kind of has, and like I said, like uh, artificial insemination and cloning and that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I think we could program something and like it gains your consciousness. Like that's, there's a measure of, like if you think of Aristotle and Aquinas, like what they said, the parts of the soul are, it's like imagination, memory, mm. will. Like if an artificial construct has those things, why is that not a person? Why is that not a rational soul like we we say it like the the physical things are the things we can experience with our five senses like we can see it taste it touch it etc right but like the spiritual parts of us are the parts of us that are real but we can't experience them with our five senses our yeah. imagination or well there's a great prayer by saint ignatius um the anima christi it's like uh take lord and receive all my liberty all my freedom yeah. all my wit my entire will it's like it goes through all those thomistic categories for like what are the rational parts of the soul and like if we can create a program or a robot that has those things, like, again, this is just me shooting from the hip, but why wouldn't we consider that a soul? So Yeah, and I think that where where that becomes a very practical question, mm-hmm. it, which is kind of a weird concept for, for this question yeah. to be a practical question, like, that's a weird thing. Yeah, um, but, but it's coming. But it is coming, mm-hmm. and, and from a practical standpoint, I would like to think that, I mean, I'd hate to think that um, the, the type of people the type of humanity that would exploit or take advantage of or maltreat an artificial intelligence are the same type of people that are already maltreating human beings yes you know whether it's like so so really ultimately that comes down to like an unfettered capitalism for example okay. where it's like uh no matter what we're going to we're going to make the bottom the bottom line what what do people say the bottom line dollar like the bottom the bottom dollar is what matters like yeah. as much profit as possible yep. so we're going to we're going to hire illegal immigrants and pay them fractions of a penny mm-hmm. and treat them like garbage yep. and i'm saying i i spent 2 weeks living with illegal immigrants in their migrant camp mm-hmm. um and like i saw what their existence was like yeah. and it was tragic and it's heartbreaking yeah, and, and like that's where our lettuce comes from 
Yeah. Well, it, in that moment, it was uh, uh, strawberries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we just were, we're eating these strawberries and we're not thinking about all the people that were being treated incredibly unfairly mm-hmm. in, in an inhumane way yeah. to get us those strawberries. And I can see the same type of minds, the same type of uh, unfettered capitalism where all that matters is as much profit as possible, no matter who we have to exploit, whether or not an AI in the future, an artificial intelligence has a spiritual component that will be in the afterlife with us. Mm-hmm. It may be that it has a soul and that it's alive, like mm-hmm. an animal's alive, like a tree's alive, like a chimpanzee, which is which can be superhuman-like in yeah. many ways. Mm-hmm. That still has dignity. Mm-hmm. That still needs to be respected with dignity because yeah. it, it has the, the capacity to feel, even if it's synthetic, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, we will see a day where we treat machines awfully, and we shouldn't. Okay. Just because they're synthetic, we should we don't have a right to treat something like that awfully. And so there, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. It makes me it makes me think about um all sorts of things like factory <laughs> factory farming. Yeah. Being a, like sometimes like maybe I should be a vegan, you know? Like um there, there's I don't know. a lot to be said about that. I mean, yeah. I'm personally not. I love meat yeah, I'm too not much. <laughs> but I had like three burgers for lunch. <laughs> you did actually. I did, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's something I'm thinking about and praying about. So, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about th- this. Is a really interesting uh, thing. So, you know what, Mike? Yeah. I don't know how long we've been going. This is a Christmas special. Let's just see what happens. Okay, let's just see what happens. We'll we don't have to limit it, it to the okay. normal. Uh, so <laughs> it's like eleven o'clock. Love micro contact. Yeah, we're Con- we're contact, we're con- content ten. content. Yeah, this is, I've been here filming episodes for days. Yeah, this is our last one. We're <laughs> drinking whiskey, and we'll see where it goes. So <laughs> buckle your seatbelts, listeners and viewers. Here we go. So the part I wanted to talk about is. Um, there this is in the second movie and neo is talking to the architect in this moment and the architect is saying like oh this whole prophecy of the one this is something the machines have concocted and created to kind of manage humanity we take their innate religious belief which is kind of this weird evolutionary artifact where they have these transcendental ideas and uh we 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 plant this prophecy so that they believe in the one and then when when they decide whoever the one is going to be you know then we then we reset we destroy Zion and it, we start over and it's happened five times already. Okay. And here's your chance. Neo is you get to survive and you get to go with Trinity and make babies and repopulate Zion and start over from the beginning, or we just kill off humanity. That's your, that's your choice. And here's what he says. He says, did you know that the first matrix was designed to be a perfect human world. I made a mistake. This is Agent Smith talking to, to Morpheus in the first movie. Did you know that for the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one accepted the program. Entire crops were lost, meaning entire humans that were used as batteries. Um, some believed we lacked the, some machines believed we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world. But I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through suffering and misery. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from, which is why the matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. I say your civilization 
civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it became our civilization, the machine civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus, evolution. Like the dinosaur, look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. And so uh, anyway, my question for you is, do you think that Agent Smith is right that humans can't exist without suffering and struggle. Hmm. I mean, that's a super relevant question from a Christian standpoint okay. because we had that and we clearly screwed that up because we couldn't handle it. You're talking about like the garden. Like We're talking pre, about the garden. Pre-lapsarian, pre-suckage. Pre-suckage. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> the the pre-era of suckage. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, we literally had paradise, and uh, it was all too perfect, and we couldn't deal with the uh, the parameters that had been given to us for it to stay perfect. Paradise lost, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, not a reference to the movie about the uh, Cuban communism. No, but, uh, uh, John John Milton, English major here, Catholic yeah. <laughs> University, represent. Um, yeah, so, so there's a sense in which we saw that happen. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think that etern- from an eternal landscape that it has to be true. Okay. And I think that's that's what the whole point is to the Christian life is that in our sanctification. See, I think that if paradise is handed to us on a platter, mm-hmm. we can't handle that. Okay. I think that if if paradise is something that we choose day to day, moment to moment, through love, mm-hmm. that's a totally different type of paradise. Okay. I think that paradise can be found, like you talked earlier about heaven and earth are 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 being remade in like, or you, that's not the words you said. What did you say? Um, like the new creation. The new creation, the new heaven, the new earth. Uh, like, I, I think that that we have a taste of that here now. It isn't just some future thought. It isn't just some like goal down the road. Yeah. We have a taste of that here and now when someone chooses love over selfishness, mm-hmm. when someone chooses love over hate, when someone chooses to be a, a gift rather than to take. Um, and I, th- so I think that it depends on what our definition of paradise is Yeah. and it, it depends on what makes up that paradise. Mm. Interesting. I think I think I agree with you that, um, you know, I, I think theologians have speculated this throughout the the years. Like, did Adam and Eve like was it inevitable that they would have fallen, or is it potentially a thing that they they wouldn't have? Could they have chosen otherwise? And I think we have we have in the example of Jesus, somebody who was created conceived without sin, just like Adam and Eve were. They didn't choose that. Of course, he's both God and man. So, we, you know, you might say, ah, he's God. That's why. But we also have, at least in, in Catholic and Orthodox belief, the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. right, who was created without sin, who had that eternal view, as you said, who had that that human view, or I'm sorry, the, the, the heavenly view, uh, just a created nature, not a fallen nature, protected uh, from... Like, like saved preemptively by Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. St. Bonaventure, I think it is, says it's, it, she's still saved by Christ, but it was like preemptively, you right. know, like most of humanity has fallen in the pit and salvation is, uh, he pulls us out. Yeah. But for Mary, it was like, she was walking it towards- It was retroactive. Yeah. Or he was, yeah, he was, um, she was walking towards the pit and he's like, whoa, don't fall in that pit. He still yeah. saved her from the pit. She still needed to be saved, right. but it was like a special grace, a miracle just for her yeah. because she had this special place in creation as the mother of God. And so we have an example in the blessed mother. I'm wondering. Who's we, have, we have mother Teresa. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I have her on my neck. I have the miraculous mother. There you go. Um, 
we have an example in the Blessed Mother of somebody who was given that heavenly perspective and didn't choose. And she wasn't fully God and fully man. She was just fully man. She was just fully human and she didn't choose sin, mm-hmm. right? She could have. She had full freedom, made in the image and likeness of God, but she didn't choose. And I think that's one of the example. that's one of the reasons why God chose to do that miracle. And God, again, this is just me shooting from the hip, but I think God chose to make her conceived without sin to be the new Eve, to show us that sin was not inevitable. You don't have mm. to choose sin. It didn't have to be this way and to, to give us a vision of someone who was just human, mm-hmm. right? Because um, it's it's not that Jesus wasn't fully human. He was fully human, but I think it's easy for us to be like, well, he's also God. Right. So, <laughs> of course, he's not going to sin. But right. the Blessed Mother, she did what Adam and Eve didn't. Mm-hmm. Not what they couldn't but what they didn't. Yeah. And so I disagree with you, with agent Smith. I think we, we, we could be happy in our created nature, not in our fallen nature, but in our created nature. Now, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that what does God do with that suffering? What does God do with that hardship? He, he crucifies it on the cross and redeems it. And now there's resurrection from that. Mm-hmm. And so any hardship we go through in this life, any tough thing we go through in this life, not only can God walk with us through it and get us through it, but he can bring a greater good from it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Which is like miraculous in his providence and it blows our minds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Smith. You need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that that's, that is key. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Next question. At the end of the movie, there's this scene where Cypher starts to spoilers betray everyone and he starts unplugging his friends from the matrix like this scene is so heartbreaking it's so heart-wrenching and like trinity is there like pleading with him and he's just like you know morphe this is what he said i copied it he lied to us trinity he tricked us if he would have told us the truth we would have told him to shove that red pill up his arse (laughs) (laughs) saying it british makes it better (laughs) apparently um (laughs) And Trinity says, that's not true, Cypher. He has set us free. And Cypher says, free? You call this free? All I do is what he tells me to do. And if I have to choose between that and the Matrix, I choose the Matrix. And Trinity says, the Matrix isn't real. Cypher says, oh, I disagree, Trinity. I think the Matrix can be more real than this world. I mean, all I do is pull a plug here but you have to watch a man die. And so basically Cypher is like, he's made this deal with the machines where he gets to go and live this happy, blissful life, blissfully unaware that he's living in a false world. And it seems more real to him. And so, and and I think this is very applicable to the life of the Christian is we can choose to live blissfully unaware, like spend all our spare time, just watching Netflix browsing on our phone consumed Mm -hmm. with all the things of this world and just ignore the larger questions right and christ is saying no i want to set you free from that there is something more but Mm -hmm. once you take that step once you take that red pill once you choose to see the world for what it really is it's more than just the american dream it's more than just wealth and pleasure and control and power uh which are what aquinas says are the substitutes for god um and there's one more that i'm forgetting but um like well. once, 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 <laughs> once you choose those things, like they don't satisfy, yeah. right? And Trinity say, no, they're not real. They're not real. And so, um, I, I think the question for us is like, do you believe the lie? Do you believe that yeah. the world has to sell you what the matrix has to sell you in the end? Do you choose the matrix mm-hmm. or do you choose this reality, which yeah. 
is a lot harder in a lot of ways. It, it, that's exactly it. Is I, I think that it it requires so much. So like if you look at the way that the Matrix is portrayed versus the way that the real world is portrayed in the mm-hmm. in the movie, um, like <laughs> when they're in the real world, they're on board the Nebuchadnezzar ship. They're all wearing rags, essentially. They're, they're, they're. I mean, it's, it's a rough existence. And they're like shaved. Yeah. What they have to eat. What they yeah. have to eat is this gross goop. Yep. And so there is this dynamic where, in reality, it's a world of suffering. It's a world of of not having uh, creature comforts of survival. Yeah. Um, but in the Matrix, everything is clean cut. Everything is organized. Everything is like handed to you. Um, and there's like this, this dynamic where, because the matrix is the easier path, Cypher chooses that because even though he knows it's a lie, he doesn't want to suffer. And how many times do we see that in the Christian life, um, amongst our Christian brothers and sisters, where it's like, the church is asking too much of me. Jesus Mm -hmm. is asking too much of me. God is asking too much of me, even though I know that he is real, even though I know that the Catholic Church is the church that Jesus Christ instituted, even though I know that the saints before me have set an example of what is possible in the power of the Holy Spirit in terms of a Christian witness and and the capacity to endure suffering and, and all of that and martyrdom, even though I know all of these things, even though I know what true love is in God, it's asking too much of me. Mm. I want to cohabitate. I don't want to give to the poor. I don't mm. want to give my life to God. I want to have uh, the the creature comforts of the world. I want to be have a successful career and for that to be the God that I worship. I want that to be what I spend my time striving towards. So even though I know what is true, I'm going to take the easier route. And it's, and listen, I don't say easier route like diminishing how real and how challenging that is for people like yeah. like it's a very real and very human thing um but it still is that it yes. is the easier route yeah absolutely man you're like <laughs> you were like speaking from inside my conscience <laughs> right there um so there's uh, i'm trying to look up the exact scripture but I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it is uh in matthew 7 here it is so um Jesus has this parable where he says, enter through the narrow gate for the path is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction and many will follow it. Choose instead the narrow gate, which is narrow and difficult and those who find it are few. And uh, and I I think that's, that's the sort of verse that, that Gnostics grasp onto, but um, you know, but, but it's true for the, 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 the church too, is we, we have this choice and we can just go with the ways of the world. Or we can choose the narrow path and it, it's harder, mm-hmm. but it's the one that leads to real freedom. Right? Yes. And, you know, somebody pointed, this is so obvious when you say it this way, but it, it we often live this way and we don't realize it is, do you want to be like everybody else? I, no, I actually don't want to be like everybody else, but how often do we make decisions based on what everybody else is doing, right? Or at least the people around us, those in our tribe, those who think like us, those those who we identify with are choosing. But if you want to live differently, you have to act differently, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to have a different life than what the average everyone else is doing, then you got to make different decisions, right? And so that's Jesus saying, like, choose the narrow 
path. Yeah. Um, and so often in Christianity, we get this idea of heaven and hell as like, if you're good, God rewards you when you go to heaven. And if you're bad, God punishes you and you go to hell. And there's some metaphors about heaven and hell in the afterlife like that in the scriptures, like Matthew 25 with the separation of the sheep and the goats. And, um, you know, there is some of that, but there's also passages like this where Jesus says, it's your choice. And here's the narrow gate. And here's the wide gate. I didn't come yep. to condemn, but to save. And you can choose the light or the dark, as it says in John 3. Like, I came into the world as light. God gave his only son, right? His only begotten son that whoever believes in him would have eternal light, but uh, eternal life. But some, rather than the light, pre- preferred the darkness and chose yeah. the darkness. And so we have a choice. Yeah, and, and the example we see in Cypher's character in the part of the plot that you're talking about here, like, it's so perfect because in choosing that easier route, the route of less suffering, the route where things are are so much easier. Um, in choosing that, you're literally, and Cypher was literally voluntarily saying, I would rather be a slave mm. to evil. I would rather be a slave to machines and live in a dream world where I am the God and mm. I have whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I would rather that than this truth, than yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sin... When we are self-centered, when when we want to be our own gods, we are literally choosing voluntarily to enslave ourselves to addictions, to yes. the darkness of the world, to wounds, to continued wounding mm-hmm. of our own selves and, and of others. I mean, literally the other dynamic that was happening there in that scene you were describing, Cypher's walking around the room killing everyone. Yeah. He's literally walking around the room, unplugging people from the matrix without doing going through the process properly, which meant... He was killing them. Yep. So in his in the selfishness, like and and we do that in our sin, whether it's killing people's reputations through gossip or killing people's dignity through the way we treat them or whatever. Mm. Like we literally in like there's no such thing as private sin. There's no such thing as mm. private selfishness. Like everything affects everyone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So what that makes me think of is yes, you're right that in some ways that path of the broad gate is easier. But in another sense, it's harder because it doesn't satisfy. And you're constantly frustrated and racked with anxiety, right? And I'm just talking about like clinical anxiety because there's there's a whole- It's a totally different thing. Yeah, I'm not like a a psychologist. That's not what I'm saying. But um, there's another sense in which the way of Christ is easier. In Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you who are Mm. weary and are heavy burdened, who are bogged down with all the anxieties of life, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon- don't, Don't choose the chains of the world like- don't let that be your master. Like I will be your master and I am a good master. Take my yoke upon you. And for I am humble of heart and that my, my yoke is easy and my burden light. And there's a real sense in which the Christian life is easier. We call it the consolation of faith. And even when things are hard, like I know I can go to prayer. I know I can go to the sacraments. I can go to my Christian community. I can, I can, I I have these avenues of grace, which make my, my temptations easier, which makes my hardships easier, make my struggle, my work, my calling, all of those things easier. Mm-hmm. And so in one sense, you're right. The way of the world is easier, mm-hmm. but in another way, it's so much harder yeah, in the, the long run. The yeah. the life with Christ is, is is one where there's grace and there's power. There's 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 a and, and that's really one thing that I think that the Matrix did not provide for us in, in this this narrative uh but where where Jesus really does invite that, where He wants yeah. to take on our suffering and stuff, and yes. like, uh, yeah, so that that's huge, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, um, another scripture it makes me think of is um, 
after the story of the rich young man, the, par- the it's not a parable, it's a real story that actually happens. There's a rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, follow the commandments. He's like, check, I got those. And he said, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, then sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. And the young man turns and goes away sad. Uh-huh. And then he turns to the apostles, his, his disciples, and says, how hard it is for the, those who are rich who have these trappings of the world to enter heaven and the whole thing about the camel and the, it's easier for a camel mm-hmm. to fit through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter, enter heaven. And Peter says to him, I love Peter's questions. Peter's always the one to ask the question <laughs> that everyone was thinking. Uh, and he says, then, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, for human beings, this is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. And Peter says, we've given up everything, right? We've been on the road with you. <laughs> we've given up everything and followed you. And he says, there is no one who has given up family or houses or anything for me that will not receive a hundred times more in this life with persecutions. And I think he says like many times more in this life with persecutions and a hundred times more in the kingdom. So like breaking that down, he's saying you will receive benefits even in this life, but also with persecutions. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying if you follow me, it's all going to be easy. But I am going to help you in this life. That, that, that yoke is easy. That is going to be truth. There's still going to be persecutions. There's still going to be hardship. But then in the age to come, like that's really when it when it's going to happen. Yeah. Like we have in the here and now a glimpse of that kingdom coming. We're called to live that kingdom now, and we get some of the benefits of that kingdom now. But we won't see the real fulfillment, the the full the fullness of the kingdom and the fullness of those benefits until. Um, you know, the resurrection, the age to come, as it says in the gospel of John. So, yeah. Yeah. So you give me whiskey, I start quoting scripture. That's how it happens. (laughs) I love it. No, it's beautiful. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So, um, I, I think I think I think we've gone a while. I think we're ready to wrap this up. The land this 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 albatross <laughs> that we've been talking through. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Simulation theory, and I have no idea what this is. So this episode is going to go a little longer. I hope that's okay. Tell me about simulation theory. Simulation theory. Uh, so if you're still with us here, uh, Mike mentioned earlier that the exclusive bonus content for the patron community. We're going to be talking about the Neuralink um, that Elon Musk is developing or the people that he employs are developing. Um, And one of the other things that Elon Musk is a huge proponent of is the likelihood, according to him, that we are living in a simulation. Mm. Now, the relevance of this is that that's what the Matrix is all about, is that the human race is living in a simulation as their bodies are being used to power the machine's existence. Um, And so part of why Elon Musk is is proposing this as a a strong likelihood Mm -hmm. has to do with how far advanced our own technology is. And so according to some calculations, the the fact that within such a near future we will have the capacity to create such a realistic virtual existence that it could be confusable with real world so you know he sees this through uh the the advances we've made in virtual reality you know the oculus rift and all that kind of stuff yeah. um the oculus quest 2 which facebook now you know is making and everyone every every other person has an oculus quest we have one um you know virtual reality is becoming a lot more uh available and a lot more advanced than it's ever been yeah um and that combined with some of the greatest advancements in artificial intelligence uh 
in terms of the interaction with people can be seen actually in video games. Yeah. So and what's called NPCs uh, uh, are, what does that stand for? Non-playable characters. Non-playable right, characters, yeah. right? Like, so the, the characters in a game that are not you or another person, um, they have such advanced artificial intelligence nowadays where they can interact with what your choices are in the game in ways that are fairly convincing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's pretty amazing. And so when you combine a lot of the technological advancements that I just mentioned and then so many others, Elon Musk is proposing, like, we're so close to being able to create a simulated reality for ourselves that is confusable with our own reality mm -hmm. that the likelihood that we are not too living in a simulated reality based on some calculation mm -hmm. is insanely low mm. so that there's a greater likelihood that we are living in a simulation than that we're not interesting obviously this is not compatible with mm -hmm. a christian worldview uh, or theology right yeah. Um, but what I do find super interesting about it is everyone is authentically trying their best yeah. to, to figure this world out. Yeah. Right. You think about ancient civilizations, they see the sun. Oh my gosh, that must be a God providing its light and its warmth and whatever. Right. So like that wasn't them trying to be pagan. That was them trying to figure out the world yeah. in the absence of divine revelation. And there, there's 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 a seed of truth there, right. as, as the documents of Vatican Correct. Say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even even um, yeah. So so I, I I look at world religions, philosophies as everybody, even if they are wrong according to my Catholic worldview. Yeah, they're trying their best yeah. to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. I look at Elon Musk, and the reasons he has for his assumption that it's far more likely that we're living in a simulation than that we're not. The implication behind us living in a simulation is essentially this. Our world is not random mm -hmm. and it was created by a higher existence. Well, duh, Elon. <laughs> well, duh, Elon. That's exactly right. And so from my standpoint, it's like I'm okay with some degree of someone buying into this if it helps them see that we were created, yeah. if it helps them see that this world was created. Mm -hmm. Because, in fact, we were created yeah, and this world we was indeed created. Yeah. And whether or not they understand our world as ones and zeros, which is like digital programming, right? Like um, e even if they see our world as being a digital fabricated reality, like they're still acknowledging uh, the truth that we are not a random occurrence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a fundamental truth. It might appear random. It might appear random yeah. to some more atheistic scientists mm -hmm. or whatever, but I honestly feel like the simulation theory is a closer step towards truth than atheistic scientists that refuse to acknowledge that maybe the Big Bang came from a God that created all of it on purpose through the Big Bang and whatever, you know? By the way, one of the main theorizers of the Big Bang? Catholic Catholic priests. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm actually, I love that simulation theory is gaining as much um, uh, credibility as it is amongst so many thinkers nowadays because it's an inch away from a random, meaningless existence yeah. and an inch towards we were created. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
And and I'm a huge fan of the world stepping in that direction. Yeah, me too. So uh, Elon Musk is not the first person to grapple with this. Right. Um, yeah. So if you ever studied uh, philosophy, uh, Rene Descartes, famous mm. Enlightenment thinker, uh, one of the th- he, he he tried to like construct reality from the most basic things we could know. And one of the things he struggled with is like, is am I all is everything I see? Can I even trust my senses? Right. Mm-hmm. And and is this all being constructed by some evil genie, some evil supernatural force, some evil genius? And what he comes to is the, the, the famous phrase uh, that you may have heard, cogito ergo sum in Latin, which means I think, therefore I am. So even if I am in a simulation, that doesn't mean I'm not real, right? right. I think, therefore I am. I know that I'm thinking and thinking about thinking and reflecting. That means I'm real. Right. That means I am real and I am really a person. And Aquinas and Augustine had their had their own kind of versions of this. And the the difference between the evil genie or the simulation theory and the Christian worldview is we we understand the quote unquote simulation right. as created by a good benevolent God and not just a God in the small G sense of like a, a superpower more powerful than us but as like the very ground of existence, right? He's not just the highest on the chain. He is existence. Yeah. He's not just the highest on the, on the chain right. of, of, of beings. He is being right. Right. And to the extent that we are beings, we are just like a little fraction of him. Right. Right. And so that's, that's, that's the difference. But I, I think you're right. Simulation theory is a little bit closer. It's a step in the right direction, right? There's a yeah. seed of truth there. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That blew my mind a little bit. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 bring this in for a landing. Uh, would you would you lead us in a prayer about all sure. this stuff? Would you close us in prayer? Yeah. So, dear listeners and viewers, uh, wherever you are, just take a moment to pause, and we're gonna pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, uh, sometimes it can feel like we don't understand what is happening around us. Uh, why we have to endure some of the suffering that we do or why others that we care about have to endure the suffering that they do. But we put it all at your feet, Lord. Um, Your ways are far above our ways and we can only see uh, what's in front of us and we trust your wisdom. We trust your goodness and your power to redeem all things. Um, We trust in your resurrection and the promise of our own resurrection Help us to live your kingdom here and now through our love, through the love of those around us, and um, help us to remain rooted in your love. We praise you, God, and we humbly bring all of this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank for Amen. you, brother. Thanks for doing this. With, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks thank for you, me. thank you, viewers and listeners, for uh, following with us through this a little bit longer than normal episode. But hopefully, you enjoyed it. And uh, let us know what you think of everything we said in the comments. I would love to continue this conversation. And uh, go go see Matrix Four. I'm going to go see Matrix Four. I'm looking looking forward to seeing or Matrix Resurrections, I guess as it's called. Looking forward to to seeing what it has to say. Um, and thank you for all of those who support us as patrons. You 
you are what keeps this studio going and what keeps us able to keep doing what we're doing. So a special thank you to our patrons. And if you are a patron, don't forget to go to In the Awaken app, the Pop Culture Catechist group right after that. And you can get exclusive content uh, for this episode where we're going to talk more about the Neuralink and the implications of being plugged into machines and if that's a real possibility uh, for the future. And if you're not a patron yet, go to popculturecatechism.com, pick one of the six tiers that fits with your budget and your tithe and help us to continue the work that we're doing, trying to spread the gospel through pop culture. And uh, even if you're not a patron, you can go to theawakenapp.io and download the app. And there's lots of cool things there. There's a, a community, prayer, music library, lots of cool stuff there. You can chat with a show host like Nick and like me. Um, and as always, you can share this episode with people who you think would benefit from it. Give us a like on YouTube or Facebook, subscribe. All those things help us. Thank you so much for your support and for watching. We love you. Jesus loves you more. Merry Christmas. Real quick, I need to give a very special thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons who support this show and make it possible, especially Troy, Henry, Carlin, Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen, Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, Tom and Emily Comberiotti, and to all our patrons who give generously. Thank you so much and make sure you check out the exclusive content in the app. Uh, I just uploaded a bunch of my old talks, which are there now. And also, after this episode... Alina De La Torre, the wonderful Nick's wife, jumped in on the conversation and don't get to hear from her very much in the Awakened shows, so definitely check that out. Thank you and Merry Christmas to all of you.